In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. There's a word I learned in seminary. Sometimes it, few, it seems like one of the few that I remember. <laughs> it's etiology, etiology. And I'll admit that I partially remember it because it's really fun to say. If you feel the desire to say it, no judgment, please <laughs> try it out. Etiology, it's, it's a fun one. An etiology, something that's etiological, it tells the story of why things are the way they are. That's a lot of stories in the Bible. You're probably thinking of some right now. Um, for example, that snake in Genesis, we learn that's why snakes go around on their belly. At the end of Noah, we learn that that's why there are rainbows to symbolize God's promise. There's stories of how people got their names and places. Those are etiological stories. And sometimes I think of that as kind of a lens for the whole Bible. Over time, that's really become how I hear all of these stories. They're about why things are the way they are. Or sometimes when it's about the difference between the world that God has made and the way that we live in it, I think they're stories of the way that things are meant to be. Covenants, the stories of our covenants feel like etiologies to me. A covenant is an agreement, a promise. It's about what we agree is going to happen within a relationship. And God makes a lot of covenants with God's people. First, think for a moment about how amazing it is that God, creator of the world, would promise us anything. And then think about what those covenants are. We've already heard a few. Last week, we heard the end of the story of Noah. God makes a promise about what God will do in terms of keeping the earth safe. We heard the Ten Commandments. God makes a covenant with Moses about how the people should live. We heard the story of Avram, who becomes Abraham, when God makes a covenant with him about what his family is going to look like. There are all these covenants, and in them, God is telling us, you are my people, you belong to me, we belong to God, and God cares for us. So in these covenants, these agreements, it feels like God is chipping in with our salvation, and we are chipping in with our faith. All these covenants, they have different contexts, different stories, but when it boils down to it, that's the promise. I'm going to save my people, and we are going to try to live in to that salvation. And it's interesting, these covenants, even though they might happen just with one person or one, one member of a family or something, we hear about God's covenant with Abraham and Sarah, or God's covenant with Noah and his family, God's covenant with Moses. It's never just about that one name that we remember. It's always about the whole family, the whole community, the whole nation, the whole world. So these covenants are not just about the way that we belong to God, that God is promising to show up for us and care for us. Covenants are also about the ways that we belong to each other, that we can express our love and faith in God by trying to love one another the way God loves us. I have been feeling 
the more I think about covenants, the more I try to think about this pandemic, this moment that we're living in. It feels like now that there's starting to be a light at the end of the tunnel, it's not just about getting through it, that maybe it's starting to be about processing what it is that we've lived through. And it has struck me again and again that the real structural sin of how this pandemic has happened in this country is that it is a breaking of covenants. The message has been from the top down in about every sector of our lives. It's everyone for themselves. It's happened in every state, in every county, in every city, every town. Every job had to come up with what they were going to do. Every school has had to make their own plan. Every family has had to look around, or sometimes just individual people. Some of us have been alone and try to figure out, well, what am I going to do for me? Because this pandemic has laid bare the fact that we really have not made provisions for taking care of each other or thinking of each other. You sort of feel that there's a big shrug now as we head into a vaccinated future. Like, yeah, there's a looming eviction crisis, but I don't know what we're going to do about it. Maybe next time don't work in a restaurant or in entertainment. Maybe next time don't be an immigrant or work in a meatpacking plant. I mean, it doesn't feel like there's really a plan and it doesn't feel like there's urgency to find one. People have shown up for each other. We hear stories of communities doing amazing things, but that feels like the exception. It doesn't feel like the world that we have built on purpose. It doesn't feel like we are living as people who belong in a covenant to one another. And I think that's part of why it has felt so rotten. It did not have to be this way. And if it makes you feel really off and really bad, that's because we are built to care about each other. That is the story of the whole world, the story of creation, the etiology of the Bible. We are built to care about each other. And when we don't, it doesn't feel very good. So that brings us to this very strange moment in Mark's gospel when Jesus says those words to Peter that always feel a little strange to hear because Jesus and Peter are friends. But Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Brenda said there's this old-fashioned theological idea. Um, They would use the phrase, Jesus is a man for others. Jesus is a man for others. God came into the world to live human life for us, to show us just what we can do and mean to one another in this human life. It's why we can look for God's light, not just in moments of private prayer, but in other people, in those moments of communion. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He can't listen to Peter because Peter is trying to invoke that same sin that same way of looking at the world. Peter's trying to tell Jesus, don't do that. You've got to look out for you. Jesus can't hear that because he is trying to explain the very thing that the disciples don't want to hear, that this adventure of theirs is not going to end well, that if his message of love has to face death, then it will face death. Jesus isn't here for himself. 
God didn't come into the earth for God's sake only. Jesus is here for us. And there's a lot of hope in that. Like, for example, that this misunderstanding, Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan, shut up, basically. That's not the end of the relationship. Jesus doesn't say, you don't get it, and that's that. This is just one of Peter's many misunderstandings and missteps, and it's still not the end. Because the story continues on, Jesus continues, let's try this again. I'm gonna keep explaining what love is, what sacrifice is. And in fact, that sacrifice is not just being denied, but choosing to deny oneself. Discipleship isn't working to make sure that you have enough and then it's done. And joy can't be that either. We are built for each other, we belong for each other, and showing up for one another is part of living out our faith in God. So Lent, we hear these covenants every week. Alston read us the Decalogue this morning. We're gonna hear it every week. We heard the story of Noah, the story of Abraham. You're gonna hear this word covenant over and over. This season of penitence is also a chance to heed the call for covenant living because God's promises to Noah, to Abraham and Sarah, to Moses, are also promises to us. Jesus laid down his life to show us that nothing is over yet. We are called to live for each other. Amen.